1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Last time we left off talking about how that you have a legal right to use the name of Jesus. And this is not just in prayer, but for example, with Peter and John at the gate called Beautiful, they made a demand on the name of Jesus. We have a legal right to use Jesus' name, and whatsoever we ask of the Father in that name, he will grant us. Now, that's a statement of fact. That's not a statement of hope. Here's the word on it, John 14, 13, and 14, and I will do, Jesus speaking, and I will do whatever. Have we really meditated on these verses? Have we really meditated on these verses until they became real to us? Have, have we really meditated on these verses until... They have become a living word in our lives and in our hearts. I mean, how many, of, how many of us can agree that Jesus was not a politician and he wasn't given to exaggeration? Can we agree on that? Can we agree that not only was he the son of God, but he was intelligent and he said what he meant and he meant what he said? Well, look at the language. And I will do... Whatever you ask in my name, why? So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, I, we, earlier in this series, we got into the Greek on this. We don't want to go down that road tonight. That would take time. But it means to make a demand on the name. Now, verses having to do more with prayer, we find two chapters later in John 16, John 16, 23, 24, in that day. And with this is where we left off last, last Wednesday evening in that day. What, what does he mean in that day? Well, for example, when uh, Peter needed money to pay his taxes, he could go to Jesus and ask Jesus for help or assistance in getting the money to pay his taxes. And then the story about fishing. And the first fish Peter caught, there was a gold coin in its mouth. Well, Jesus was there. He was right there with them. He was traveling with them, uh, ministering with them. He was right there. So you, why would you say now, Father God, in the name of Jesus back then? But Jesus is talking about another day coming. And the day he's talking about coming is the day when he, will, he would not physically be with them. He would not any longer be on the planet. He says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. And I know that, uh, <laughs> I do, you know. One guy, somebody asked about Faith Christian Center, and the guy's response was, well, it's tight, but it's right. So I realize, you know, people think that uh, maybe I'm a little too precise. I realize that. But what I have noticed in my life is precision gets results. And this is true. Um, you know, have you ever had a car and when you turn loose of the steering wheel, it just kept going left one or two degrees? And, you, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, you can't get it right. It's got to go into the shop. 
They call it a front-end alignment. And it's either right or it's not. Sometimes everything's perfect. You hit a curb, now it pulls to the right or to the left. And uh, I've just lived my life this way, to try and go by the word of God. And what I've realized is that when I do that, I get results. And when I get off the word, and we dealt with this, I think, two or three Wednesdays back. How many of us have ever gone to the Lord complaining? I got my hand up. Did you get anything? How many of, how many of us have ever gone to the Lord whining and crying? I got my hand up. Did you get anything? How many have ever gotten angry with the Lord? I got my hand up. Anybody ever get angry with, did you get anything? So we've all been down these paths. Well, why not just wake up and say, well, you know, I've tried these other five ways. So now I'm just going to do it the Bible way. And uh, I'm telling you what, man, you get a reaction. You get a reaction. Now, I'm not saying you can't talk to Jesus. Just talk to Jesus all you want to. And I'm not saying you can't talk to uh, the Holy Spirit. I talk to the Holy Spirit every day of my life, 365 days a year. But when I have a petition, when I have a request, when I have something I need from the Lord, tell your neighbor, this is offensive. I don't talk to Jesus. I don't, I don't, it's just a bad habit. Tell your neighbor, stop it. It's just a bad habit. Now, I mean, even to bring it up, I know that uh, I know it's like talking about dogs. You know, in other words, you're just going to get a reaction. Arr! You know, don't pray to Jesus. Arr! I'm not saying you can't talk to Jesus. Talk to him all day long. I'm not saying you can't talk to the Holy Spirit. I'm saying when you have a request, when you go before the Lord and you need something, Anybody ever need something from the Lord? I got my hand up. You go to the Father. Say it out loud. He's my daddy. He's my daddy. See, and we've missed that revelation. You know, he's... Uh, the movies portray him as nowhere to be found when you need him. I mean, it's just a revelation to know he's our daddy. He's my daddy. I'll tell you one thing I know. He's been more of a daddy to me than my daddy was. I tell you that, I know that. I know that. I must have failed him a hundred thousand times, but he never mocked me, never made fun of me like my, my natural daddy. I dreaded him coming, my natural father. I mean, I remember one year we had two, one, two, three houses ago. For the house we bought when we came back from Africa had, had these two very, very large post oaks, native, uh, not planted. They were there, and they were big. Must have been two and a half feet in circumference. And, man, did they drop leaves. And so the week before they were coming, my mom and dad, you know, I get out there, I rake all those leaves. But you know what it's like in Texas? Temperature change. Wind pick up, and all that work was for naught. 
And uh, so we go pick him up at the airport, you know, and I'm hating it, I'm dreading it. And so we pull up in the driveway and, you know, why haven't you raked up all these leaves? My father God does, has never done me that way, even though I've probably failed him 100,000 times. He doesn't castigate me. He doesn't uh, mock me. Doesn't make fun of me. Now, he'll, he'll, he'll convict me by his spirit. He'll let me know when I'm off course, but there's no mocking in it. Do you understand? There's no mocking in it. It's helpful. It's not hurtful. He's our daddy. He's our father. And if you'll begin to see him that way, your life will change. Amen. He's my father. He's my daddy. Amen. In that day, you'll no longer ask me anything. Okay, so forget about what Pastor Gene says. Jesus himself said in that day when he was no longer on the planet, how much stuff would we ask Jesus for? Talk to me. In that day, you will no longer ask me how much? Anything. So it's not my idea, theory, or opinion. I'm just going by what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He said, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. And you know, it's, uh, I was up here a few months back in the middle of a message, and I was so moved, and I was so humbled, and I was so grieved to think that God, and that's who he was and that's who he is, God would have to say to people, people, verily, verily, I say unto you, or I'm telling you the truth. I mean, think about it, how he humbled himself. I'm just a man and sometimes you know, people come to me about this or that. I said, well, do what you want. In other words, whether you believe me or don't believe me. But he humbled himself. I'm talking about God to say, I'm telling you the truth. As if he could tell us anything but the truth. That's how much he wants us to get this stuff. I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So are we going to go to Jesus, say, now, Jesus, I have a request, and I come, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and Jesus, this is what I need. Is that how we go about this? No, that's not going to work, because that's not what he said. See, I've discovered in my life that if I'll just go by what the Word of God says, I will get clearly superior results than doing it the way some preacher says, or somebody on Facebook says, or the way even I was raised growing up. You have to understand, I've abandoned a lot of what I knew. I liked what one of my daddies in the faith used to say, Dr. Frederick Casey Price used to say, I intend to be right. So if I have to change, doesn't bother me at all. I'll change. And anybody who says they never had to change, and I can think of one guy right now, you know, he's been out of power for a couple of years, never did anything wrong. Well, how did that work out? So anybody who says they never needed to change is a liar. Amen. We've all needed to correct course, right? And so he says, I tell you the truth, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So 
my thinking is, out of all the people, the prophets, the apostles, all the people who were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to put these 66 books together we call the Bible, who could possibly know more about prayer than the Lord Jesus Christ? Right? And this is what he says, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. <laughs> I'm telling you what, man, this is, this is fabulous, but this is the problem. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. Now, you can see now that prayer is based on legal grounds, not based on promises only. Prayer is based on statements of fact. If we will pray God's way according to his word, prayer will work every time. Now, I'm not saying it'll work instantly because we know from the book of Daniel that when Daniel prayed a certain prayer about a certain matter, the answer was delayed by the prince of Persia. What does that mean? The demon that was in charge of that geographical area where Daniel was living at that time in captivity. So the, the answer was delayed, but the answer was not stopped. And that's why I believe Jesus said, pray without ceasing. Always pray and never give up. It's not like being at a roulette wheel in Vegas, which I've, I use that illustration, but I've never done that. It's not like that where I got to keep praying and praying and praying and praying and maybe someday, maybe, 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 maybe he'll hear my prayer and answer. That's not what it's about. Now, these 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 customs and practices that we're teaching are based on statements of fact in the Word of God. And when we pray God's way, it works every time. Some things may take a little time. And part of the problem, frankly, is sometimes while we're praying, we're also creating our own problem. I can think back of a guy that he doesn't come to church here anymore, but for years and years and years, he, he would put a prayer request in with every tithe or offering, asking God to help him get his credit card debt paid off. Well, this is, not, this is not possible unless you're charging. In other words, if, if 10, 15, 20 years go by, it's going to get paid off unless you keep charging. You see what I'm saying? So in other words, somebody could be praying something and doing something exactly correctly, but they're contributing to their own problem. And so hence, the problem keeps going. Do you understand? And then other things require human action. I mean, I could say, Father God, give me a better relationship with my wife, but maybe I have to do something about that. Maybe I got to change to get something done in that area. So a lot of times we blame God for things and we even blame the devil for things that the devil didn't have anything to do, do with. It'd be like, you know, blaming the devil for how much we weigh. You know, the devil, uh, you know, my custom, I had to give up potato chips. I mean, I love them. I really do. And, uh, but I had to give them up. And so Sundays when I get home and I'm waiting, you know, I might have a piece of toast. I just get a whole different result. But this past Sunday, I just went nuts. <laughs> the devil had nothing to do with that. Do you understand? Satan, Satan is not even allowed on my property. 
He, he wasn't in my, on my property, wasn't in my house. He was not inside of me. I did it. And that's why I see nothing really positive is, or substantive is going to happen in your life until you can look in the mirror and say to the person looking back at you, you did it. Amen. You're responsible. Now you have to, if you want a different result, now you have to do something different. Can you see that? So a lot of times we blame God for things that are happening in our lives and we're causing it. And a lot of times even we blame the devil for things <clears throat> happening in our lives and he may be contributing. I mean, he'll sure help you mess up, but uh, it's us. I mean, it can be him, but a lot of times it's just us. So prayer is based on legal grounds, not just based on promises, but on statements of fact. And if we'll pray God's way according to his word, prayer will work every time. Now, I can be that bold because I have word on it. 1 John 5, 14, 15. This is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. confidence. Say it again, confidence. confidence. See, the problem with prayer is for a lot of believers, they lack confidence. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, how do we know what his will is? Talk to me. How do we know what his will is? Do we check our astrology charts every morning in the paper? Is that how we know what the will of God is? How do we know what the will of God is? Do, do we get on this one network that uh, has become very popular and listen to the purple hair prophetesses and to find out what the will of God is for our lives? How do we know what the will of God is for our lives? By the word of God. So we could read it that way. If we ask anything according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, say it out loud, whatever, whatever we ask. Say it again, whatever we ask. See, and that's why we've always said that you need to find two or three verses that cover your situation. I know sometimes people are unhappy with this because sometimes when I do a prayer line, I'll say, <coughs> don't say anything to me. You know, just let me pray. Because... When I was a younger man, you know, I thought I'd be real succinct and ask people, what two verses are you standing upon? And let me tell you what, you ask that question in a prayer line, you're, you're just not going to want to, there's no anointing, you're not going to even want to pray for anybody. Because people, people will not do their homework and they won't follow instructions. They just won't do it. Now, every morning, one, two, three, four, five, six, every morning in my life, I've got six verses on healing that I rehearse to the Lord. The other day, uh, Sunday, you know, all the grandkids are there, or some of them, and, uh, you know, this one wants a drink, this one wants the refrigerator open, this one wants something out of the pantry, and, you know, and, and little ones, uh, they don't mean to whine, but somehow... You know, when they're real small, they have that in their voice and all this going on. And I'm sitting over there at the table and I'm thinking, that must be what it's like in heaven, that you got all these people and they're, they're wanting this and they want that. But then all of somebody walks in the room and they start rehearsing the word of God. And the father's attention is riveted. So there's a lot of noise. But when, when he hears his word, 
That's what gets his attention when he hears his word. You know, I don't often do it, but I think, was it Sunday or a week ago Sunday, I mentioned a man's name in a message. You know, when, when you're somewhere and somebody mentions your name in a message, man, you, you are riveted because you're hearing your name. And God is his word, and God's word is God. And when he hears his word, we have his attention. See, but if we go to God, we're whining and crying and complaining and, you know, I don't know why you don't do something about this and all of that. Well, how many people are praying that way? But when we go into the throne room of God and we rehearse his word to him, that makes us unusual. Amen. And, it, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, say it again, whatever we ask, whatever we, ask. we know. Do we think? We're hoping? It works every uh, leap year. Every time there's a 29th day of February, it works. Every time there's a solar eclipse of the sun. Now we know. We know that we have what we ask of him. We know that we have it. Say it out loud. We know that we have it. We know that we have it. Now see, that's just a horse of a different color than hoping. Amen. We know that we have it. How in God's name, when, when COVID mania hit, and you go back and you watch the Holy Week Revival 2020, how could I be so crazy bold and say Faith Christian Center will still be paid off this year? Nobody knew where it was headed. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Nobody knew the future. Nobody knew. It was crazy. I watch it myself and I'm astounded. I said, and what, if my words don't come to pass, you take me out in the parking lot and set me on fire. I mean, that's, that's out there. That's crazy. But how, how can you come to a place in life, and it's a beautiful place, where you have confidence. You're not guessing. You're not hoping. You're not spinning the wheel. You know. And I love it. I do. I love it. There are two people in the Bible that the Bible says that the Lord never let their words fall to the ground. You know who they were? Samuel and Jesus. But it always fascinates me that Samuel was in that same class. The Bible says specifically that the Lord never allowed any of his words to fall to the ground. Part of our problem is we just talk too much. And uh, we're not very concise in our speech. The Bible says, actually, the Bible says, where words are many, sin is not absent. Coarse joking. And I've, I think that the Internet accentuates all of this. Just too much. Just too much. Too much information. TMI. Too many words. Kenneth Copeland asked, Kenneth Hagin once, he said, you know, when, when you're speaking, you got a lot to say. You can talk an hour at the drop of a hat. But when, you, when, you, when you're off in private, sitting here having a meal, you hardly say anything. Why is that? Kenneth Hagin said, the less to repent of, 
Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk, but I'm, I'm saying we ought, to, we ought to regulate our speech. If you're having trouble in your home, this is where you start. You regulate your speech. Because when we were children, they taught us sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words can really hurt. And you know, it's a funny thing. We don't forget, do we? We can try. We can pray about it. But we remember. So we ought to guard our, our speech. Amen. And walk in love and be kind with each other. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, if we ask anything according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have. We know that we have what we asked of him. We know that we have it. This is different from hope. We know that we have. So unbelief cannot pray. Unbelief can only utter words. Prayer is the living word of God falling across lips of faith. Say it out loud. Prayer, Prayer. is the living word of God word falling of God. across Amen. lips of faith. So the problem is not a problem, uh, uh, it's not a faith problem. The problem is not a faith problem for the believer. It's a lack of revelation on the word of God. And it is a lack of action taken on the word of God. Uh, the problem, you know, we pioneered this church in 1984 at the tail end of the charismatic movement. And what was very popular, people run off to this seminar, run off to that conference, trying to get more faith, trying to get more faith, trying to get more faith. That's not the problem. The problem is not a faith problem. The problem is a lack of revelation on the Word of God and a lack of taking action on the Word of God. So much of what is taught today isn't actually the Word of God anyway. It's pop psychology, it's defeatism, spiritualization for lack and poverty and defeat, sickness, bondage and, and uh, sickness, disease, excuse making. You see, victory makes people nervous. That's, why the, that's one reason the whole Metroplex isn't here tonight. Tell your neighbor, victory makes people nervous. Victory makes people nervous. Amen. It does. Because if you get free and you say God did it, if you get free and then you say God did it, then the masses ask, well, why didn't God do that for me? And then when you explain it to them, it's because you believe God and it's because you confessed his word and it's because you took action on his word, but they didn't. Well, it causes great offense, but it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. Now, for example, I'm going to give you a hard example. So brace yourselves. For example, our society today is normalizing obesity, even though obesity is the number one cause of health problems in America today. This fool doctor, two years ago, now I guess it's coming up on two and a half years ago nearly, if he had told everybody, go outside, get some, get some sunshine, exercise, get your weight down, there would have been fewer people die. And if you think What they have done is a success, then answer me this. Why are, there t why are there 10 times the COVID cases this week, 2022, than there were this week, 2021? 10 times. You just needed four or five more shots. 
Get a dozen. Do they come with a discount? Do you get 13 if you buy 12? I'm just saying, if it worked, why are there 10 times this week? 10 times the cases this week versus this week last year. See, because critical thinking is dead in America. And it's not just obesity. It's, it's, it's really that all the things it causes. It causes hypertension and diabetes. It's a terrible thing. Obesity is the number one. Did you know obesity is the number one cause for amputations in the United States of America? I mean, it's, but my point is, why normalize it? Why normalize it? Well, because our culture has come to believe that it's morally wrong to say one person got a better result than another person simply because their behaviors were different. There must be some other cause. Toxic masculinity or racism or patriarchy or slavery 150 years ago. Something. Because you know, can't be my fault. Can't be your fault. It's got to be somebody else's fault, right? Surely we can't be responsible for the messes we have created in our own lives. Surely that can't be true, can it? But it is true, and it's in the Bible, and it's called free will, and it's called personal responsibility. See, one person saves money. Another person doesn't. Of course, their results will vary. One person saves and then invests money. Another person doesn't. Of course, their results will vary. One person consistently overeats. See, I overate Sunday. But I have been doing penance Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. See what I'm saying? But but if if I did what I did Sunday, if I did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, well, I'd have had to go get another pair of britches for tonight. Do you understand? So I'm saying consistently. If one person consistently overeats, another person doesn't. Well, of course their results will vary. One person has babies before completing their education and before marriage. Another person waits to have babies until after their education is completed and until after marriage of course the results are going to vary. One person commits adultery. Another person doesn't. Of course their results are going to vary. One person drinks all the time. Let me tell you what. God help you preachers that are normalizing drinking with young people. The 20, I may have the ages wrong, the 23-year-old song leader, at the church where our housekeeper attends was killed on the way to church Sunday by a 22-year-old drunk driver. See, somebody trying to serve God, being a song leader in a local church, and their life snuffed out by somebody who is drinking. Why normalize that? Right? Why normalize that? One person drinks all the time, another person doesn't. Of course, their results will vary. One person does drugs. 
Another person doesn't. Of course, their results will vary. One person tithes. Another person doesn't. Well, of course, their results will vary. One person gives offerings above and beyond the tithe as led by the Holy Spirit. Another person doesn't. Well, of course, their results will vary. Can you see this? I said, can you see this? Well, sure. You see, the problem is victory makes people nervous. Because what people want to believe is that what they do does not make any difference whatsoever. And this is total, absolute, complete, utter nonsense. Say it out loud. Victory makes people nervous. Say it again. Victory makes people nervous. And this is why socialism and communism are so popular with this generation because then everybody can be poor and miserable together. As Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, says, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, Sue and Austin and I have seen people in socialist and communist countries, and they may own nothing, but they sure are not happy. They are miserable. We went to Kiev, Ukraine, for a T.L. Osborne meeting, crusade outside. Oh, my gosh. You've never seen such a dreary, miserable place as the old USSR and what they did in housing. Oh, my goodness. Defeat is miserable. Sickness is miserable. Debt is miserable. Any bondage of any kind is miserable, and any defeat of any kind is miserable. It's miserable. The problem isn't a faith problem for the believer. It is a lack of revelation on the Word of God, and it is a a lack of action taken on the Word of God. It isn't a problem of faith with a believer because all things already belong to him. Let's, let's go to Ephesians 1.3. Ephesians 1.3. Say all things. Say it out loud. All things, all things already, already belong to me. Now, when I say that, I'm talking in the Lord. I'm not talking about your neighbor's stuff. Ephesians 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I said something Sunday and here it is three days later. It's on my mind again. Why, in the middle of this message, it's on my mind every week of my life. The people we knew decades ago, decades ago, wonderful people, people in the ministry, people who have been working for Jesus for decades, people who have been faithful to their husband or wife for decades, people who have been winning people to Jesus for decades, But they don't, they don't live anywhere near the level we live at. The word hasn't worked for them the way it's worked for us. It, oh, I know it's because I'm special. No, that can't be it because both in the Old and New Testaments it, got, it says that God is no respecter of persons. That can't be it. See, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us within the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He has blessed us. Say it out loud. He has blessed us. Say it again. He has blessed us. So it's not really a matter of having faith for that. It's a matter of believing it, receiving it, repeating it, confessing it, and taking action on it. Has. 
you know, we, we spent all day with these architects, and, you know, they want to talk about what kind of budget you have. And I said, well, I never approached anything like that in my life. I just decide what I want. And then I just, you know, what I would have said if it had been my tribe was, then I just believe God for it. But what I said, because it, these are various people from various backgrounds, I said, and then I figure out how to get it. I don't know how long it's been. 35, 40 years since I went to a car dealership and said, you know, what can I afford? I mean, the thought would never occur to me. I mean, it literally would never occur to me. I, w I was about to say, if I like it, I buy it, but that's not really true because some things, you know, can just be over the top too much. Austin says, no, buy it, buy it, buy it, drive it, drive it, drive it, buy it, drive, buy it, drive it through Chick-fil-A, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking, that's ah, probably a little too much. But, you know, I mean, it's, I, 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 buy, I drive what I want. I mean, the thought would never occur to me. What can I afford? I get what I want. And my daddy, have I talked to you tonight about my daddy? My daddy, he just covers it. And you cannot offend him believing him. You know, spring of 2018, we made that commitment, $1 million above and beyond, above and beyond the tithe, above and beyond our regular challenge offering giving in the Easter 2018 challenge offering, and a few weeks later, I walk into my closet at the house, and he was laughing at me. I heard him. He said, well, that slowed you down, didn't it? I said, no, sir. I said, I'm going to keep right on trucking. I'm going to buy what I want. I'm going I'm to wear what I want. And I said, I'm just going to believe you for it. But he didn't correct me. He didn't chastise me. And so that was four years ago plus, now, he got after me because I had toned down my vacations, and he said, you, you can't live like this and believe all this money in. So I had, to, I had to step up on the vacations, but not on other things. It's a great secret, seems to be in the kingdom of God, that he's our father, and he will give us the desires of our heart. If you only understood this, what, I, what just came out of my mouth you would not stand there. How can I say this and not be offensive? Maybe it's innately offensive. But you would not stand there on Sunday and act bored during the praise and worship time. Because if you really believe that God gives us the desire... The Bible says, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. See, if you really believe that, you wouldn't stand there Sunday, you know. And, you know, I just have to make, make up my mind, St. Paul Sunday or the commencement Sunday, don't look around, don't look around. Gee, don't, don't look around, don't look around. Because if, if the head of their political party, whoever that might be, walked into the room, man, they'd st stand right up. Now, I realize some people can't stand because they have a medical thing going. When the yes sirs and the no sirs stopped 
and people stopped rising in the presence of the aged, it all went to hell. And there's no more aged to rise in the presence of than the Ancient of Days. So the Bible says, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, somebody might say, Pastor, you just can't believe that. I do. I do. That's why I go out every morning and I've been doing this for years now. And I dance before the Lord. Now, I'm a white boy, so it's terrible to behold. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I mean, I... And I'm not saying I I do it a long time, but I do every day. I mean, I dance before the Lord. Somebody might say, well, why would you do that? Well, David did that, and it all pretty worked out well for David, except for the mistakes he made himself. But the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him great success in everything he put his hand to. In fact, it was David that penned those words by the leading, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, if... If (laughs) when this church, when this church wakes up to Psalm 37, 4, this will be a different church. When this church wakes up to Psalm 37, 4, oh my goodness. It'll be a different place. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you... Oh, yeah, but, but Brother Gene, the Lord promised to meet our needs and not our wants. That's just ridiculous. Amen. Because he, the Bible says specifically, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Yes. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, and satisfies your desires with good things. Amen. Desires. Desires. Amen. Desires. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. This is our daddy. This is our father. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians 1, 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Say it again. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. See, a lot of Christians are living in hope, and they think they're walking by faith. If you're waiting for God to do something, there's no faith in it because the work's already been done. If all things already belong to you as a believer, is it really a faith problem or is it a revelation problem or an action problem. See, the problem isn't a faith problem for the believer. It is a lack of revelation on the Word of God, and it is a lack of action taken on the Word of God. Another prayer problem is a failure to take our place in Christ. It's not really a problem of faith for us as the sons and daughters of God. It is merely a problem of our taking our place and enjoying our rights in Christ. Now, there's another issue, enjoying our rights in Christ, because Christianity has been portrayed and painted as, you know, duty and obligation and doing without and suffering and all of that. That's what we came out of. Let me tell you what, suffering is just 
nothing to be desired. I'm just not into suffering. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Say it again, who has blessed us. So this is past tense. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So the work's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's not, I don't even have to have faith for it. I have to accept it. I've got to repeat it. I've got to take action upon it. This means everything that was wrought in the finished work of Christ belongs to us. It is our property this very moment right now. It's ours. It's ours. And this is why our entire last Wednesday evening series was called The Finished Work of Christ. We spent a year on that, The Finished Work of Christ. Why? Because it's done. It's done. See, if the work's done, (laughs) you know, they spent, I don't know how many months building our house, but when the work's done, you don't do any more work. You, You live in it. You enjoy it. And that's what we haven't been doing. We collectively, the body of Christ, we haven't been living in it. We haven't been enjoying it. I went to the Lord about this a few years ago, and I said, why is it that it seems so unusual that I've had these kind of results? And he said, well, son, he said, and this goes back to the John 3.16 every Sunday thing in a lot of churches. He said, son, a lot of people, when they come into my house, they come into the foyer, that's salvation, and, and they're satisfied and that's, that's as far as they go. He said, not you. He said, you just made yourself at home all over the place. You know, you went into the healing room. You went into the deliverance room. You went into the prosperity room. He said, you just, you, just, you know, it's like little Emily, the, the, the latest grandchild. I mean, she just stomps all over the house like it's hers, like she owns it. I mean, you know, Sue was hunting for her a few weeks ago. She was down in the master shower, you know, doing an inspection, looking around. You know, she just, she just wanders around, stomps around. And, and it, as far as she knows, it is hers. And that's the way we are to be in our Father's house. Amen. I mean, who is it for? Him? <laughs> Jesus didn't come and suffer at the hands of men for Jesus. We don't need Jesus or the Father or the Holy Spirit to do one more thing. That's faith. Amen. Say it out loud. We don't need the Father, need the Father or, Jesus or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. to do one more thing. No, it's all done. It's all finished. It is just a matter of us learning these facts from the Pauline revelation and walking in what already belongs to us. Now, you, you know, there's other factors involved. You, got, you need a J-O-B. Uh, you might have to take care of your physical body. Um, you know, there's some business got to be taken care of. Satan, but we, we can't get into that tonight. We have no time left. You know, re- resist the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. And in the Greek, it it reads, he will flee from you as if in terror. But that's the power of the name of Jesus. Resist the devil. And and on your thought life, Kenneth Hagin used to say, you know, there's a difference between a bird flying overhead versus a bird building a nest in your hair. And, And I've always, this helped me with feelings because we feel things. Somebody insults us or... You know, sometimes we might uh, get our hand caught in a door or something. I mean, we feel things. But that doesn't mean we have to stop and dwell on it. That doesn't mean we have to yield. I like that word yield. We don't have to yield to it. And uh, so you can have a wrong thought. 
But having a wrong thought is not the same as yielding to it. See, the wrong thought is the bird flying overhead. But that doesn't mean you have to let it build a nest in your hair. So we resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. Now, don't you wish we could, you know, don't you wish we could have a prayer chain? Don't you wish we could have a Daniel fast? Don't you wish we could, we could resist the devil in Austin? Don't you wish we could resist the devil in Washington, D.C.? Well, apparently it doesn't work like that because if that worked, we would have already done that. But we have authority over our lives. We have authority over our homes. We have authority over our families. We, we are in charge there. Years ago, I'm going to quote with this years ago, the Lord talked to me about critical mass and how that when you have enough people in a country tithing, you reach a point of critical mass and the blessing of the Lord comes upon that country. That makes, that makes a lot of sense because you look at countries, for example, I'm not trying to be unkind, but you look at countries that have never had a critical mass of Christianity like India, you know, they, they've never hit that, that place of prosperity. But countries, and then you see like the United Kingdom, it had a critical mass of Christianity and then that waned. And as that percentage of Christianity waned, the power the influence, the military power of the country itself waned. That's what we're witnessing right now in the United States of America. This is just the twitching of a body as it dies. This is a nation. This is the last great empire before the coming of the Lord in its death throes. And when something dies, it twitches. And that's what we're watching right now. People were disappointed in me Sunday because I didn't say anything about the Supreme Court decision. Well, here it is. <laughs> it's too little, too late. I just read the other night in the annual Bible reading, I'm a little behind this year, but when Josiah came to power, Josiah was phenomenal. He... he I mean, he got rid of the Asherah poles, the Chemosh worship. I mean, things I don't want to mention here. I mean, he eradicated pagan worship from the land. And the Bible specifically says there was no king like him from David until his time. But then the Bible says repeatedly, several times, that the Lord was not willing to forgive how Manasseh, had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. And it was only a few years after Josiah that Judah was taken into captivity in Babylon. The Lord was not willing to forgive it. You want to get the Lord's attention? I'm talking about not as a person, but well, as a person, but as a nation, as a country, as a culture, shed as innocent blood. Amen. What did he say to Cain? He said, the, the earth cries out. Your brother's blood cries out. And so I'm glad we got the ruling. Praise the Lord. You know, some lives maybe can be saved. You know, these people act like they never heard of uh, saying no. They act like they never heard of birth control. They act like they never heard of other things, you know. It's ridiculous. People are morons. Amen. 
Amen. But I don't really think they're morons. I think they're demoniacs. I think what William Shakespeare wrote all those years ago is what we're living in in 2022. Hell is empty and all the devils are here. But I'm happy because the Lord's coming. Hallelujah. And this will all be somebody else's problem. Hallelujah. And for seven years, while the, while the whole earth comes under slavery to the Antichrist and his false prophet, and oh my gosh, is he going to have a selection? Because there's false prophets everywhere. You know, it's going to be easy to solicit, a, you know, advertise on Facebook. I need a world-class false prophet. There'll be a lot of uh, applications for that. And, uh, but while all that's going on, man, we're going to be having, the, we're going to be enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll go through the judgment seat of Christ. We'll find out what our respective rewards are. Oh my gosh. And then we will return with him. And it's exactly what these little weeny preachers have never even contemplated or thought about or read from the Bible because they don't read the Bible. The Bible specifically says that when the Lord Jesus Christ sets his feet upon this earth again, that the Mount of Olives will split in twain and that the blood will flow to the horse's bridle. When he came the first time, they were looking for a warrior and they got a baby in a manger. And now the world's looking for a baby in a manger and they're going to get a warrior. You don't think he's going to let this go on to you. Kill them in the womb and if they escape, Send them down to the schoolhouse for the drag queen shows. And if they escape, give them three or four or five clot shots. You don't think the Lord's going to let this continue, do you? Now, I told a brother sitting here tonight, 20 years for me is a long time. But 20 years for the Lord is nothing. So he could come in 20 years. He could come in 20 minutes. I don't know. But I know this. I love Andre Crouch. I miss him. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Say it out loud. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Say it again. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah. Say it again. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.